Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Series, um, and we're calling it Revival. Because our heart and prayer is that God would revive our hearts afresh. That He would fill us again, that He would remind us afresh of the call that He has on our life. That this isn't just about people that we send, but every one of us is sent. Every one of us has a role to play. And our hearts, I believe in this season, in this time, need to be revived. Because, my goodness, our city, our nation, our world needs to be revived. There's brokenness and pain, despair, anxiety and fear that is rife throughout our city, throughout our nation and right around the world. And so we're going to be anchoring this series in uh, Jesus' first sermon. Now Jesus preached his first message and we read it in Luke chapter 4. And uh, it, he, he preaches, it's so good that it makes the Bible. I mean, I, I've, I've never preached a message that made the Bible. Uh, I'm sure that's, that's no surprise because we're not writing the Bible anymore. That would be against certainly, our, that would be heresy, people. Um, let, alone, let alone my first message. I remember, well, actually I don't. It was so unmemorable that I don't even remember my first message. It was that. All I remember is the emotion getting on stage thinking I was awesome as a young 19-year-old and then standing up in front of a whole bunch of lovely people and going, I have nothing to say. Uh, that, and the, the panic just set in. That's about all I remember about my first message. But Jesus... When he stands up and gives his first sermon, it makes the Bible. And we're going we're gonna to read, uh, it's actually, he, he gets up and he reads from Isaiah 61. And he reads these words from the scroll. He opens up the scroll and this is Jesus' first sermon. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. In verse 20, Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And so I'm done here, people. <laughs> I'll, I'll, see you, uh, I'll see you at the back. No, no, no. <laughs> I know there's a whole bunch of you going, that'd be awesome. <laughs> if Andrew could just preach one of those messages, just one Sunday... That would be amazing. But sadly, that's not the end of my message, even though it was the end of Jesus' message. In fact, Jesus was doing something incredibly profound by just reading that and stepping down. He was saying, what Isaiah 61 wrote, I am fulfilling and there's nothing more to be said. And that was actually problematic for the people sitting there. So they had a whole bunch of questions for him. So his message did go on a little bit longer in a bit of a Q&A session. We're anchoring our series in this commission that Jesus had for himself. He takes on these prophetic words in Isaiah 61. He says, that is my commission. That is what I am called to do. And as people of the way... Those of us who are followers of Jesus, we are invited to participate in the same task that Jesus lived when he walked on this earth. Jesus 
comes. And we're going to anchor this first part. He says, I have come. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim good news. And he says to us, those of us who are following Jesus, we too are called to proclaim good news. That's who we are. And he says, we're called to proclaim good news as Jesus was to the poor. It's good news. I have come to proclaim good news for the poor. And so Jesus goes on to unpack this later on and Luke records this in Luke chapter 14. Jesus tells a whole bunch of stories and there's a story that unpacks what it means to be good news for the poor. And in Luke chapter 14, we see a parable. Let me set you up with context first. While you, do we have the words on the screen? We, kind of? Okay, good. Do we have Luke? Will we have that passage? Great. Okay, cool. Well, you can go to Luke 14 if you want. Let me just set, set, set the context. Jesus is hanging out with a whole bunch of religious elite. He's sitting around a table and they're having a banquet. And they're all kind of positioning themselves. Jesus observes this. He, they're all positioning themselves to find the places of honour around the table. See, it's all about social status in those times when you had a banquet and you had a party. As it often is today, who got invited and where you sat was all about social status. And they're there, they've got Jesus there and they're looking to judge him. They've invited him so that they can grill him. And at the same time, Jesus notices that they're all seeking to honour themselves at this party. And so the conversation goes and, and Jesus tells this story of a great banquet, considering that they're sitting around having a banquet. This is how it goes from Luke 14, verse 15. Get your Bibles, get your digital device. You can track along. The words will be on the screen behind me. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married. Oh, sorry, I skipped ahead. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come, clearly. The servant came back, that's ironic. The servant came back and report this, reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those, were not, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Good news. There's good news here. The king... Loves a good party. It's good news. The king loves a party. And you have got a picture here of a master. Again, the conversation is around the kingdom of God and Jesus is making the analogy of, of the master, the king, God inviting, having a great big party. Now, I don't know what your vision of God is. 
But often in our context, in our culture, God is presented as that old man in the clouds looking down who he can smite or at least beat over the head. He's not very happy. He doesn't smile much and he's not a lot of fun. It's a completely wrong vision of who God is. See, in the Gospels, we see that God is presented as as someone who loves to have a party and loves to celebrate and in particular loves to party with his creation, with his people. That's always been his intent. That's always been his heart to hang out, enjoy and commune commune with his people. And so you see in Luke 15, so the next chapter, Jesus tells three stories. We looked at it just a few months ago. You know these stories, the lost, the lost sheep. And the shepherd goes out, finds the one, leaves the 99, comes back and has a party. Then the story of the lost coin. The woman who loses one coin out of 10 finds it and has a party. And then this great story, Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son of the two sons of the running father, however you want to call it. One, the younger son goes away and then comes back and the father is so excited that he puts a robe on his youngest son, puts a ring on his finger and goes and kills the calf, the fattened calf and has a great party. See, God is a God who loves to be with his people and loves to have a party. And that is the picture of the kingdom of God. We are invited people. We need it. Meg's talked about hope before. We need to get hold of this. Eternity is one great big party. Not wings and harps and floating around doing nothing. It's a party. God is planning a great party for everybody who says yes. And the invitations have been sent out. They've been sent out. And we see in this story that the, env- the invitations go out. And it's a little bit confusing because you read it, you see the master sends out what seemingly is an invitation to some. Not everyone, but just to the elite, just to those who were seemingly important. The master sends it out. Remember, context. Who, who, whoever got invited to a party, it was a sign of demarcation who's in and who's out. People were invited based on their social standing. And parties a little bit like today within a social statement. And, and this thinking had worked its way into the hearts again, the context. Jesus is sitting around a table with the religious elite. And so the religious elite see religion, they see God in the same way. They see a God who is selective. Now, a little bit of history. God comes to Abram, Abraham and calls him out of Ur. This is right back in Genesis. And, and he says, he makes his covenant with Abraham. He says, Abraham, I will bless you and your children, your offspring, and you will become a nation and I will bless your nation. But that's not the end of the story, right? God also says, I am blessing you so that you will be a blessing to the nations. The religious elite had missed that point. They'd missed the point that actually they had been called out, the people of Israel had been called out in order to be a blessing to all nations. And in their mind and in their behaviour and in their setup, when we get to first century Palestine, we see that they have got this clique. It's not just the Gentiles, the non-Jews that are outside, it's even people within their own nation 
the poor, the marginalised, the sinners that Luke loves to use that phrase, that catch-all phrase, the sinners who are outside, they were not invited into the kingdom of God. It was just the select few. Jesus is making the point, he's saying you've missed the point. In fact, in fact, as we see and we read, we see that the servants had already understood the heart of the, of the master and everybody had already been, oh, we've already invited everybody. Everybody, we, we know that they were invited, but everybody's been invited. We've done that. And then the king says, go and compel people to come in. And that is the end of the story. Jesus finishes the story and says, go, go out Invite everybody in. The good news is, Jesus is saying, is that it's not just for the few. This party is not just for the few. It's just not for, the, for, the, for those who tick the box. It is for everyone. Jesus is saying, the good news is, is that everybody is invited to the party. You know, we live, it's not just, you know, First century Palestine where, where we have these kind of demarcation markers where only some people are invited through certain doors and others aren't. You know, we live in a world now, very literally, where we have doors that only some, if I can open this up, there we go, only some people can work, walk through certain doors. And there are signs on doors that say whether you can go through them. For example, if I see that on a door, I know that I can't go through it. Not unless I get in a lot of trouble. There we go. Only 50%, only 50% of the population can go through the door with that sign on it. But if there's this sign then the other 50% of people can go through that. But it's not just that. Sometimes there's little signs on the door. Please do not disturb. Which really means no one's allowed to go through those doors unless, of course, you have a special relationship. I'd imagine sometimes in, you know, there's, there's just, if I put, for example, <laughs> if I put this on the door of our house, do you think our kids would care? No, it wouldn't, even if we tell them. Do not disturb. Now, if you were in our house and you saw that, I'm sure that you wouldn't come in. Do not disturb is only for select people. Authorised personnel only. I don't know who those authorised personnel only are, but there are authorised people out there, people, who are able to go through these doors. I don't know who they are. Maybe they've done some training. Maybe they've got a ticket. Maybe they've got a badge. I don't know. But only authorised people are allowed to go through the door. Only select people. You know, you've got emergency exits and you've got, here we go. We've got just, just a public service announcement while I'm doing this. We do have an emergency exit. It's just at the back there. Behind the sound desk, in case an emergency, we will go through those, that back door there. You will all be welcome to go through that door. Otherwise, you're not. Only in an emergency are we allowed to go through that door. We've seen these ones. I, I don't like these ones. I think to keep out private property depends on the property. Uh, I, I, uh, I was in the country this week, I was in regional area, and I saw that and I thought, I would like to run down that lane. That, that's a, the gate was open. 
I'm not sure that really, but, you know, there are other places that I wouldn't. A sign on the door, keep out private property. Members only. Yes, yes. Are you a member? I was, uh, was travelling, I, I did my first flight, went to the airport this week. It's, it's a little bit like the first class, you know, as Jerry Seinfeld says, as they close the door on the cattle class, it's kind of like, if only you just worked a little harder. And there's whoosh, members only. It's for the, uh, for the elite, for those who are members. I want to say that everyone here is welcome to the church. You don't have to be a member to come to church. And then there's this one. No smoking. You can come through this door. You're welcome to come through this door. But you have to change your behaviour. Come through. It's not allowed to smoke. No smoking. We all have these demarcation markers. But Jesus says in that context, sitting around all those people where they had all these rules about who could walk through the door, who could come into the party, who couldn't. Jesus says, everyone, everyone is welcome. It's the good news. Everyone can come into the party. And I think that this is important for us to understand. Now, I don't know your story or journey, but even when it comes to God, we see God as the angry God where we have to tick a whole bunch of boxes and we think that we have to go through a bunch of hoops. Or maybe if if God just saw my history, there's no way that I could walk in. If he saw the way I behaved, I'm a smoker or whatever I am, there's no way that I could walk through the door. You know, we put all these signs on, on the kingdom of God. We put all these signs on who God is and we think that it keeps us out of the kingdom. That's for those of us who are followers of Jesus and those who aren't. And I don't know what your story is this morning. I don't know what your journey has been. But I'm here to tell you, if you're on this journey and you're not quite sure, you're still figuring out your faith, I want you to know that your past The signs on your heart, the signs on your life do not stop you from entering in. Jesus says there is good news. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your story is. You are welcome. Everyone's invited. Go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in. Why? Because God wants his house to be full. It's a big party and he wants everybody in there. The thing is about Jesus is he just doesn't say it. As he speaks, as he speaks to to, to this select group, as he walks the streets and, and, and preaches the ethics of the kingdom of God, this ethic of love, it's not just about what he says, but it's about what he does. You know, Jesus, the God who stepped down from heaven to earth, doesn't find himself highfaluting it with all the the powers of the Roman Empire or or the religious elite all the time. He doesn't hang out with those kind of people. He could have. He just spent his time just influencing the influences, you know, kind of hanging out at that level. But Jesus chooses to walk the dusty streets of Judea He chooses to walk amongst the broken, the marginalised, the poor, the sick and the sinner. God steps down and walks amongst the broken. He lives good news. 
I love what Dane Ortland says in his book, Gentle and Lowly. He says, human nature dictates that the wealthier a person, the more they tend to look down on the poor. The more beautiful a person, the more they are put off by the ugly. And without realising what we are doing, we quietly assume that one so high and exalted has corresponding difficulty drawing near to the despicable and the unclean. Sure, Jesus comes close to us, we agree, but he holds his nose. The cumulative testimony of the four Gospels is that when Jesus Christ sees the fallenness of the world all about him, his deepest impulse, his most natural instinct is to move toward that sin and suffering, not away from it. It's the impulse of God. It's the heart of God. In the midst of brokenness and sin, his impulse is to move towards us. Jesus walks amongst the lowly, the broken, the poor, the sinner. Says, welcome into my life. Welcome into my world. And ultimately, Jesus pays the ultimate price. He is a servant who gives his life. He is the sacrificial, suffering servant. Just as Jesus takes on Isaiah 61 in that prophecy, he also takes the prophecy of Isaiah 52 and 53. The picture of the suffering service who is servant who is oppressed and afflicted, who is led like a lamb to the slaughter, who is oppressed, cut off from the land of the living, who is killed. That is a picture of Jesus. Jesus ultimately dies for us. He dies for you and for me. He suffers for us. Why? In order that he can say to us and to every person, everyone is welcome. Jesus has made a way for us. And I know this is kind of like basic Christianity 101 for many of you here today, but we need to be reminded of this, the profound truth that no matter what signs we place on our life, no matter our journey, whether we are of faith or not, Jesus continually says, I forgive you. I'm inviting you in. I am the door. In fact, Jesus says in John 10, that he says, I am the gate. I am the door. It's this picture of a shepherd. He says, um, I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me, whoever comes through me will be saved. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they, that you, that me may have life and have it to the full. Jesus' heart for us is that we would walk through the door, that we'd walk through the door. And as we walk through the door, we walk into a party where the house is full and we walk through a door where our life is full. That is the invitation. The death of Jesus makes a way where we cannot. We have no right to walk through the door. We're not good enough. We don't have the social standing enough before God, the God of perfection. We can't sit around His table on our own merit, on our own skill. We just can't. But Jesus has made a way for us. He's made a way for us. He opens the door for us. I told the story before about how I went to a concert of a, a, a Christian rock band years, you know, this is years ago, Newsboys. And, and uh, after, the, after, after the, the concert, you know, I was, a ten, I don't know how I was, 19, 20, I went and knocked on the, on the door. 
the backstage. Hi, my name's Andrew Serkham. Oh, just wait a minute. Go. They went and spoke to the lead singer. Come on in. We'd love to, we'd love to meet you. Why? It's not because of me. It's because the leader of the band knew my dad. Just use my name. I can get in the door. See, Jesus, we take his name. We take the name of Jesus. And so no matter what our story is, no matter what the sign is on the, on the door, whatever, whatever our past, our behaviour, whether we feel like we're a member or whatever it is, whatever the doors are that we feel, the signs that stop us walking through the door, they're thrown away. We walk through that door because we carry the name of Jesus. That's good news. It's good news that gives good life. And the final piece of the puzzle for us today is this. There's good news. Invitation includes participation. See, once we walk through the door, our lives are changed forever. When we walk through the door, we're invited into the kingdom of God. When we walk through the door, we're actually invited to participate in the kingdom of God. It's not, it's not just a thank you very much, walk through the door. I'll receive everything. I'll receive all the benefits and that's it. No, when we walk through the door, our lives are changed forever. And we're invited to participate in the ethics and the culture of the kingdom of heaven. And so we see in this story that the servants already understand the heart of the master. They already understand the heart of the Father. They already understand the heart of God. And so they go out and they go and they invite. And they don't just invite those of social standing. They go out and invite everybody. And then Jesus says to them, or the Master says to them, go out and compel, go out to the highways and the byways, as the old language calls it. Go out to the streets and the lanes. Go out everywhere and compel people to come in. It's not a timid invite or, you know, kind of, well, you know, it's, it's, um, it's going to be really good. Uh, I mean, no, no, no pressure, just, just whatever, you know, whatever. No, 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 compel. Like, you've got to come to the party. It's going to be incredible. I mean, the meat is amazing. The entertainment's incredible. The wine list, my goodness, it's, you cannot, this is unmissable. I'm compelling you. I'm not forcing you, but I'm compelling you, come into the party. That is what we are invited to do. We are now participating as servants in the kingdom of God where we are empowered to go and carry the ethic, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We are to bring good news to the poor, to the broken, to the mark. What, what better job? I reckon sometimes we, we've totally forgotten that we carry good news. You know, like we just, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian. <laughs> What'd you do on the weekend? Oh, just, um. <laughs> what, what was that? And I get it. The narrative in our context and our culture today says you should be ashamed of being a Christian. And we need to recapture the ethic and the heart and the joy and the life of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Not a follower of the church, a follower of Jesus. And together we are the church. We carry people. I preach to myself, we carry good news for everyone. We carry good news. And there's two practical ways as I come to land that I encourage you just to step into. And a little bit later on, we're going to pray for some courage. 
so that we can have some confidence knowing the good news. Just a couple of, couple of things that we can do. Firstly, I love the fact that we have a vibrant, growing care ministry in the city. Jesus tells us, as we participate, as Jesus did, just go out onto the streets. Go and find those people who are poor, broken, marginalised, those who are unloved, those who don't get invited to parties. And that was a prayer that we had before we even knew we had a building here in the city. God, you are calling us to love those in our city. And I've loved seeing what's, what God has been doing since COVID. Since COVID, as he has broken our hearts for, the, for, for, for those who rough sleep in our city. You know, we started out on a Thursday morning. You know, Robin Bellin was leading it and, uh, and we just started. We started doing a lunch. In fact, I don't even think we were doing a lunch. We were just doing a morning tea. And I reckon we did it for six months and saw no more than three or four people. But we knew that God was calling us. And then we started a Thursday morning walk and John and Kelly have been incredibly instrumental in that. Just doing, just going, no, we need to go out. We need to walk the streets. And I love hearing the stories and reading the stories in the times that I've been out. What a joy. And I, and I know, testifying from people who have done it, people who would be timid. You know, when we first went out, when I first went out, I was like, oh my goodness, this is the scariest thing I've done. Walking, and it was just brilliant. You don't need to be an extrovert. You don't need to be an evangelist. You, don't have, you just go and be and give your presence. And share love and conversation. Hand over an up and going a banana of water or warm socks, particularly as we come into winter. And, and God has just gripped our hearts with it. So we, we send out teams every Thursday to walk the streets in the valley in the city. And then we invite back and we have 10, 15 people come in for a hot lunch on every Thursday. We need, we need more people to help with that. But God is doing something. He's doing something in our hearts as much as He's doing something in their hearts. Every week, connecting with 50 to 100 people who are sleeping rough in our city. We walk past those people probably on the way to church as well. In what ways can you offer dignity to those people whose perhaps hardest thing, the most deepest thing that they feel is not being seen? not being invited. How can you love, care, give integrity, give dignity to, to people around our church? I love what God is doing in this place. You know, over this season of Gateway Beyond, God is calling us to go further, to go beyond. Because the reality is if there wasn't a Gateway City campus, there wouldn't be a door to open and let people into. If we didn't have a Gateway City campus, we wouldn't have no care ministry. If we didn't have a Gateway City campus, we wouldn't have people walking the streets, not just from Gateway City campus, but from other churches in the city and from Gateway Mackenzie and other campuses. If we didn't have doors here open, we wouldn't have a ministry here. And over this next season, God is calling us as a church to look out and look ahead and to open more doors so that more people can experience the love, the grace, the good news of Jesus. 
That's the journey that we're on. That's the vision that we have. God's calling us to open more doors so that more people can encounter good news of Jesus. How can you play your part in caring for those on the streets of our city? The second thing I want to point out is, is evangelism. See, Jesus' mission was not just about the physical needs. It was also about the spiritual needs. Ultimately, Jesus died for our spiritual condition. And so the other way in which we can engage in the mission and sharing the good news of Jesus is by sharing the good news of Jesus, what He's done in our life. Sharing our testimony, going out and compelling people. And now is the time, now is the time to share the good news to a city, to workplaces, to universities, to families that are crumbling where there is anxiety, fear and pain. You know, I've just uh, heard... uh, I came across some statistics just this week from McCrindle who have done some research about the church. And they've found that people under 30, someone under 30 was invited to church, 50% of them would say yes. 50%. Now that drops off a little bit with the ages that go higher because of people's experience or they've grown up in church or whatever it is. But we have an opportunity just with an invite. That's not even compelling. That's kind of like, um, hey, would you like to come to church with me? One in every two would say yes. I'd say that we need to be a people who invite people, invite people to church, invite people to life group, invite people to Alpha. Alpha is a great opportunity to explore faith. And I just rejoiced last, last year in baptising a whole bunch of young people who came to faith in and through Alpha. We'll be running Alpha again next term. I want you to be thinking now, who in your workplace, who in your family, who at your university, who in your friendship networks, whatever it is, could you begin to start praying about, start inviting, compelling? Hey, I'd love for you to to come along. I'd love for you to explore faith. I reckon there's something about, about faith that will actually speak to you and minister you. This is what we are called to do. This is what it means to be invited into the kingdom of God, to participate in the kingdom of God. Invitation, accepting the invitation means participation. It's good news. Let's not keep it to ourselves. Let's not keep it to ourselves. Hey, I'd love for uh, just, uh, there are a couple of groups of people I'd love to pray for this morning. The second one is, as I said before, is courage. I reckon there's a whole bunch of us who are sitting here right now going, yes, I, I want to do that. I want to I, I make a difference. I know that I've got good news. But man, it's scary. I don't know what to say. And we're going to pray for courage in a minute. But firstly, I'd love to pray for those of you perhaps, and again, I don't know all your stories, but perhaps you've been coming to church for a while or maybe this is your first time to church and, 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 and you are... You're listening to this and you're going, I want to step through that door. I'm hearing the invitation. I actually want to come to faith. I've been thinking about it for a while, but I've got a whole bunch of signs on my life saying I can't. I don't deserve it. There's a whole bunch of reasons why I shouldn't. If you only knew my behaviour, if you only knew my history, if you only knew my background, if you only knew my story, you know that, that I don't deserve to come into the party. I've got good news for you today. You're invited into the party and it will change your life forever. So here's what I'd love to do. I'd love to create a moment right now. If you want to respond, say, yes, I want to accept that invitation. 
I want to choose to walk through that door. I want to receive Jesus into my life. I want to accept Him into my space. I want to make Him Lord of my life. Why don't we just, can we just close our eyes right now? Short moment. Bow our heads. And if you're here and for the first time you would like, you just know that's your story and you want to receive the invitation of Jesus to step into a new faith, to receive His forgiveness, to receive His life-transforming work. Just with every head bow and every eye closed, let me invite you just to stick your hand up high in the sky so that's me this morning. That's awesome. Anyone else? Anyone else? You say, I want to follow Jesus. That's me this morning. Stick your hand up. I'm not going to prolong it too long. Anyone? Hey, for those who put their hand up, I'd just love to lead you in a prayer. Just with every head bow and every eye closed, I'd just love to lead you in a prayer right now. And if you're a Christian, you can, you can pray this prayer as well. Just let's pray it above a whisper. Let's pray this together. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. I thank you that you invite me into new life. Forgive me of my sins. I let go of the signs on my heart. I receive your grace. I receive your love. Come and fill me with your life. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, why don't we just uh, just uh, celebrate that story. We'd love to connect with you after the service, just to journey with you, and we'll do that uh, after. Hey, I love I love just to invite those of you this morning who just love a bit of courage, a bit of courage, just to be a carrier of good news. And uh, you've got people in your mind, in your heart, that you you just love to have conversations with, but you, perhaps you don't know how to tell the story, or perhaps you, you love to just have more confidence wherever you go. I'd love to pray for you and then we're going to worship. So come on, why don't you just stand where you are? You just love courage to carry the good news of Jesus wherever you go. Come on, just stand where you are. I want you to get the band to come up too. Band, why don't you come up? Awesome. So good. I'm standing up too literally and with you. It's one of the things I really want more of. It's just a, just a courage, a lack of fear because of the cultural narrative. I mean, the cultural narrative is so strong and says you have no place in our society. You are not good news. It seeps into our heart, seeps into our soul and we begin to believe it. Prayer for you who are standing and prayer for all of us today is there will be a new gospel confidence that actually we carry good news despite what we may be told about who we are. Hey, just if you're standing, why don't, why don't you just, actually one of those just around, just lay a hand on those around. Come on, just turn around or just encourage one another. Encouraging, put courage in. Let me pray. And then we're gonna worship, we're gonna sing. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.
just those who stood, just, I just invite you right now just to, uh, in your own heart and mind, just say, God, give me your courage. God, come and fill me with, a, with your spirit. God, give me a boldness. Give me a strength. Come, Holy Spirit. God, I just pray for every person who is standing, Lord Jesus, that you will just strengthen them, Lord God. That there will be a choice this morning, even now, a resolve in their hearts, Lord God. A strength in their hearts right now that they will carry. That you will give them the courage and the ability just to have that next conversation. The courage just to ask that question. The courage just to make that, that thought known. Holy Spirit, come upon them now. And God, I pray that even in their mind's eye, Lord God, as they're thinking about the scenarios and the places that they'll be walking this week, Lord Jesus, that they will just have just a prophetic sense and an ability to be able to understand. I pour out your Spirit, Lord God, right now. Pour out your Spirit. Pour your Spirit, spirit upon all of us, Jesus, I pray right now that we as a church may be bearers of good news, that we will know it, we will own it, we will carry it, Lord God, with grace, with clarity, Lord God, that we will live with an abundant love, an abundant love that cares for those in front of us. Pour out Your Spirit, pour out Your grace, we pray in Jesus' Name. Everybody said, Amen. Why don't we stand? And we're going to sing a chorus, a heart, just a cry out for a revival. Come on, make this a prayer over your heart. Make this a prayer over our church. Make this a prayer over our city. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to encourage you on your journey. Help us help you by going to gatewaybaptist.com.au and clicking on Get Connected.